0: Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie.
1: We'll start the show in just a minute. But first, a word from our premier brand sponsor, Wheelhouse. If you want to increase your revenue and profitability, you have to have the right tools and data. And Wheelhouse has everything you need to run your short-term rental business more effectively. Wheelhouse is the simplest and most powerful way to unlock your portfolio's revenue and profits. This game-changing revenue management platform puts the industry's most powerful data right at your fingertips, allowing you to run your business exactly as you want to, while saving you massive amounts of time. So you can have the right price Every night and increase your revenue by an average of 39%. Wheelhouse is offering listeners of this podcast 50% off your first two months. Just go to usewheelhouse.com and enter promo code AlexAnnie at checkout or tell them that you heard about this offer from the Alex and Annie podcast. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are here today with Dennis Go <laughs> I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I know I'm not, but <laughs> CEO and founder of Cassiola, Dennis. Can you please correct me on how I'm saying that?
2: <laughs> um, I think Annie really did a great job earlier. Do
0: you want to give it a try again, Annie? So, Dennis Hoodhead.
2: That's perfect. Uh, okay. I'm wow. moving.
0: I'm yeah. moving to. I'm moving to 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 Holland now
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I think you should do the introductions You're... from now on
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's uh belgium isn't it is
2: it belgium it is belgium uh, yeah Originally oh, okay. from uh, from antwerp um but it's like 20 minutes from the dutch border, so we share the same gotcha. so, yeah excellent okay. excellent
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're a guest that we've wanted to have for quite some time. And um, this was exciting. I'm glad that we at least got to quickly catch up in Vegas uh, last week and uh, proposition, you coming on the show finally. (laughs) Uh, But for our audience that is not familiar with you and Cassiola, can you give us just a little bit of your background?
2: sure so we are a vacation rental management company so um i started in 2014 um acquired a small existing uh, business with around 20 um, homes all in one resort so in the beginning it was just me and, and my wife um doing everything from taking calls to um unclogging toilets and, and everything and today we have been able to grow that business into around 350 homes and we have three destinations. So we manage homes now in Orlando still, um, but now also in Aruba and Miami.
1: Oh, excellent. And, and you came over from Belgium and it's only been a fairly short amount of time since you started the business, right? 2014? Yeah, eight years now. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. That's, that's Uh, incredible growth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I I met you, Dennis. um, I was actually a booking pal several years ago and um, I met you and I think at that time you had about a hundred, maybe 125, 150 units. And I remember you saying that your goal was to get somewhere around 350, units. So you, you certainly are well, well, I guess, past the the initial goal and doing really well. And your brand is very recognizable. And one of the things that Alex and I love um, because we both love pink, but everywhere <laughs> we go, your, your, your entire team shows up in pink and it's just, it's just become kind of the, your calling card. Is that something that you intended or it just sort of developed over time?
2: So yeah. It has been developing over time a little bit now. It it was a very um, choice that we made on purpose. So when I started uh, um, into this industry, I had no knowledge whatsoever about competitors and and who was doing what. Um, So I did some market research and I just got all the pieces that I could find back in the day all on one big sheet. Um, So I, I collected all the logos from the internet them together um and I picked a color that was the most opposite of what everybody else uh, I love that what a great
1: way yeah. to get over. <laughs> process.
2: And, and I picked something that that was the exact opposite so and then in the beginning we went with it with it um and I one day I went to um a conference wearing my shirt you know how it goes I didn't have time uh, to change into a suit <laughs> went uh, to a conference and like a year later, someone uh, said, oh, I remember you. And she didn't remember my name. She didn't remember the company name, but she just remembered the color of my shirt. She said, yeah, <laughs> the pink uh, shirt. And I thought by myself, oh, my God, this is so strong. And that was the last day ever I have worn a suit. So from now on, you're always going to see us in those. Uh, uh, it's not. But it's not pink; it's officially magenta. But
1: yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little off-brand. I, I tried to wear magenta. This is the closest color that I had, but it's it's more of a hot pink. So I knew it wasn't exactly <laughs> right. <I> appreciate <laughs> but, the effort, though. Uh, yeah. So. We'll we'll have to start upping our magenta wardrobe. <laughs> so yeah. Got yeah. you guys then. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: No, that's that's yeah. excellent. Now, did you, yeah. have you grown through acquisitions, or is it all been organic? So we have done a few acquisition acquisitions in the first years,
2: not really companies, but more uh, contracts from um, existing managers here, in Orlando um, that wanted to downsize a little bit or that they were focused on other areas. So we've done a, a, yeah two very successful and one not so su- successful, uh, but everything else is has been through uh, organic growth.
0: So Orlando is a. Um is a very large rental market and it's hyper-competitive. And one of the things that I, I marvel at is the number of operators that are in, in Orlando that actually I worked with several that they don't even live in the U S they actually live in great Britain or they live somewhere else. Um, So, how, you decided to come here, and you decided to, to to do your company, and you're based in Orlando, and you've grown very well in Orlando. Like, how do you feel the landscape has changed, especially with COVID, in terms of the managers that maybe are based in Orlando or maybe based somewhere else that have, um, you know, have their footprint in Orlando and and their success related to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I decided to to move to the U.S., um, I did some a little bit of market research, and I found that Orlando was the biggest market in the U.S. So I thought, okay, even if I can just get a very tiny market share, share. Um, so I did not know that there's like five or six hundred managers just in the in Orlando. I don't know if knows the exact number but it's it's so many it's so competitive but since i started here i've never known anything else so for me this is the uh the normal and now with expanding into different uh, destinations um i discovered that it can be a lot easier too in in, in if the market is not um, so, but I agree with you. It, it's for a lot of people. It's um, like a second career. They have had a corporate job for a long time in, in the UK or, or somewhere else. And, and they decide to, to turn around their life and, and do property management. So they have a home themselves or they already had a vacation home in, in this area. And they probably think by themselves, "Hey, um, I manage my own home. I can do this for other um, owners too." And and that's how they start. So yeah, there's there's many um, yeah UK uh, property managers or or Brazilian property managers right. doing this here. And I think since I had a little bit of a different background, my uh, background has been e-commerce, online marketing with my mm-hmm. company. Um, uh, which was an online printing company. So we did something similar than what Vista Print does here in the US. We did that in in Europe. Um, So all I knew basically was online marketing and and e-commerce. So I applied all that know-how and knowledge that i built up over the years onto property management. And I think that was the reason um, or is the reason that we have been very successful. Um, It's not just taking care of the home which is also important, of course, but it's the whole marketing around it, the getting bookings. We always have been focused on, on revenue from, from day one. And that is something I have the feeling that a lot of property managers in this area don't do. Um, they are very good in taking care of the homes and the guests, but they have no clue mm-hmm. about technology and marketing and, and revenue management and, and things like that. They, they do deals with tour operators so they get um, a lot of bookings from them, but it's at rock bottom rates. Usually it's like a 50% discount on, on right. rates. And we have never done that. We have not had any contract with tour operators. We always went uh, um, straight to the, the, the guests only uh, um, the retail bookings. And I think that really has made uh, a difference and, and one of the reasons why we have been able to, to grow in this, uh, in this market.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And that was a question that I had for you was if you did work with the tour operators, because I know that's such a big segment of business in Disney. And it's something that when I was at at Condo World, we we never were able to get that program going, but it was something we were interested in. And I think there's there's a lot of interest from the UK for people that want to come and start their vacation in like South Carolina and then you know go down to Florida and maybe do kind of the East Coast kind of tour. But um that's that's, that's interesting that you've been able to still do that well in Orlando without that component of business. Yep. Yeah. And I
2: think it's 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 easy, relatively easy for the manager because they only need to get one or two contracts a year and their whole calendar is, is almost filled. Uh and and for us we need to go after every guest through Airbnb through booking.get that sale, get them to book with us. So it's a lot more work on our end. uh but I think it really pays off uh, um in the end. The owners make so much more money um they would accept tour operators, and then you also see what has happened um in the last few years. A couple of really big ones, like the Thomas Cook uh, went out of business. And there's companies here in the area that went bankrupt because they didn't have any money, they didn't have a direct booking strategy, they didn't have like right. things even on Airbnb and, and booking.com and verbo because they never needed to. And then something happened and, and yeah, they got into trouble.
0: Yeah. That's a conversation we have with people all the time is about, you know, not putting all your eggs in sort of that OTA basket. You need to have it, but, um, you know, kind of to the point of uh, the the tour operators that went out of business, I was curious. Um, I worked with a couple of property managers that were, unfortunately, they, they met their demise during COVID because they just weren't prepared. They didn't have money in the bank, but, you know, you have a, a fairly large portfolio and how did you weather that? Like, were you, I don't think anybody was prepared for what it did but do you feel like you were as best prepared as you possibly could be and and in that how you know what would you what would you caution others to do moving forward so if something like that happened again they would be prepared
2: Yeah so um I have to be honest it was a scary time um and I remember uh, we have always been very um strong on or on on trust accounting from from day one it's not required by law here in the state of florida um when i first was introduced to the concept i thought yeah that's absolutely smart makes sense we need to do it Uh, but it was scary i think um in mid-march we had around two million dollars on our trust account in, in future bookings and then the pandemic happened, and every like day or hour, I saw that amount going down, and and we went <laughs> up to a level um that we only had I think ten fifteen thousand dollars left on our trust account, yeah. and calling our payment processor, asking like, hey, do you guys think we're gonna have a lot more refunds coming up because we're almost at the bottom. So um, and I said, no, no, we don't have anything coming up anymore. But if we had used our, our trust funds for, for other things, which which happens a lot, unfortunately, in our industry, we would have been in, in, in trouble. Um, so luckily we had all those funds in, in a separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it was scary because it, it didn't stop. We we bleeded, uh, Yeah, I, I think we cancelled um, in in one week over a thousand mm-hmm. reservations. Yeah, it was really really bad. And I know there, there has been a lot of, of talk around Airbnb guests. Um, now we tried to rebook guests and and give them a credit for um, exactly three days. And now we just gave up. We got into fights with with guests. We were getting slammed on social media, Um, getting reviews from guests. We're just unhappy that they didn't get a refund. So we already started refunding our guests even before Airbnb um, um, started doing that. So for us, it wasn't really that big of a problem because I I still think that was the right thing to do at that moment. Um, No one really knew what was going on. People were losing their jobs and, and then just saying, hey, you need to keep the money with us because we need you and, and you uh, um, need to, uh, to use it later on. But we don't know uh, when uh, yet. Um, I don't think that was the right thing to do. So we already started refunding guests uh, um, way before Airbnb uh, did it.
1: Yeah, hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. you know, lo- looking back a lot of um, companies in our area just moved the reservations forward a year and that that helped at the time to know, okay, we're going into 2021, it's going to be a strong year, but at the same time then what we weren't knowing was going to happen Prices changed so much and the demand was so high in 2021 that we actually, we could have made more money if we had just refunded (laughs) and rebooked guests.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's, that has been our luck too, but no one, I mean, that wasn't the goal in the beginning because no one knew what was going to happen. So yeah, we, we got, we saw some records.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about a little bit about your tech stack, because I mean, to grow a company, to have you know, over 400 condos and homes, and uh, that, that takes a lot of infrastructure to support. So what, is, what does your tech stack look like?
2: So uh, we just migrated to TRAC, um last April. Um, okay. So TRAC is our PMS uh, system. Um, and on top of that, we have uh, built um, also our own um, in-house operations uh, to a little bit like what Breezeway does, but... Mm-hmm. Um, There's just a lot more around it and and customized for our operations. So before track, we were on Escapia um, for for the eight previous years. So um, they had a core, they had very good accounting and and reservation management, but they were lacking um, anything operational. So we decided, yeah, we're going to have to build it ourselves. So we started that in, in, yeah, I think in this over when we got into operations, so once we switched the tracking in April, um, only our accounting and reservations team really um, felt the difference. Everybody else uh, just kept on using uh, our internal tools um, and and didn't notice anything about the, the migration. So. Those are the two big ones. Um, our own uh, um, software is also an uh, owner app, uh, a laundry management system, um, housekeeping app. Um.
1: Wow. Wow. That's a lot. And I think I had heard that you guys had a custom, I wasn't sure if it was a custom PMS, but I knew there was, there's was some, obviously some stuff going on that you've built yourself, which is quite impressive. Now, do you have developers?
2: Inverse, CMS, uh, yeah, so no accounting, no reservations, no distribution, but everything yeah. operational um, is done in
1: house. Uh, yeah. Great. Now, do you have developers that support that as uh, on your staff or? Yeah.
2: So we, we actually have two developers now, uh, but most of it was built by just one, and, and we added an additional one at the beginning of uh, uh, this year. So um, it's just done by by two people. Um, and then, of course, we also use a couple of uh, um, additional tools like uh, Wheelhouse for revenue management. We use uh, Funds uh, as our communication and group inbox uh, tool. Um, we have Rentals United and, and Booking Paul as a channel manager. So um, there's a couple of other uh, tools that we use uh, to Yeah.
1: Yeah, great. Tell us a little bit about your experience with with Wheelhouse. I'm curious, um, you know, they're they're good friends of our show and we appreciate they are our brand sponsor. And so we always like to hear a little bit more about what they do. Can you tell us about um, how you use Wheelhouse for revenue management?
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, So I I know wheelhouse already for a long long time um from years ago they had a good on, on vrma and, and then they kind of disappeared because they um yeah they were focused on, on yeah
1: yeah on
2: operations and, and lyrics so when they got back it was very interesting they they had a couple of ideas and solutions things that we were missing in our uh, back then current uh, revenue management uh, software. So I I got to start talking with, with Andrew and, and and John. And um, the reason why we switched was really um, the team. Um, it felt like a startup. They were so excited to work with us. They listened to us. Um, they made improvements, a lot of improvements already over the um, the previous uh, months um, of things that we suggest should suggested. So um, I really like working with with companies where you're not just a number, and and if you have a feature request, it, it probably never is going to. But people that really want to push um, the limits and and move forward together with their customers. So I really like the the smaller team and the personalized service and and that they listen to um, to our input.
0: Now they just did some, they just did some enhancements. They announced it at Darm when we were all in Nashville back in August. And a lot of the focus was kind of, so go back through COVID, you know, our industry had this boom of the technology. Everybody was kind of, I think all these technology providers were able to get, get kind of in the, in the weeds and really figure out what was the best technology and and make a lot of advancements. So from, from technology within hospitality, vacation rentals has just kind of surpassed where hotels was. Um, And in that there was a lot of automation. And so the, the the theme of everything was, you know, put your information in and it'll do the work for you. And, Mm -hmm. While that's, you know, for myself, I've been in property management, OTAs, channel management, all sides of it. I think automation is is helpful, but there always needs to be a human component of it. So I think that Wheelhouse, again, with their announcement, they wanted to give some of that control back to the property manager. So I'd love to hear what you think about this new feature or kind of this new iteration of their platform and how that works for you and your team. Yeah.
2: No, no. So um, we have a full-time revenue and distribution manager on our team. So um, her name is Kelly, and her job is to optimize those rates for all the homes using the tools that we have available. And that was indeed one of our frustrations um, with the other tool that we used. It was kind of a black box. Um, You didn't know what happened or how they came to a certain price. You could change the base prices and, and, and make some other changes, but... You didn't really know what went on behind, why a certain date was all of a sudden priced so high. Why we would not expect it to be uh, the high, and and that is the complete opposite with with Real House. So they give you the data. You can look at the data. You see how they come to the conclusion that a, a certain height should be priced at a certain price. Um, and you can you can make your own use your own judgment to to make changes and 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 manipul- manipulate the, um, that a little bit. So that's something that we really like. I think most managers know their market better than than anyone. There's also things that we miss and that we don't know, and that's where yeah. those tools come in. Because then you're really going to look at it and say, Oh yeah, this event, this year is on this date, I thought it was the week before. So if it, the uh, uh, fourteen to or or look at certain things. So it's absolutely helpful, but there's also things that we don't know, that that we know and that the software may not have picked up uh, um, yet. And and we manage around 120 units right next to the convention center here in Orlando. And it's like a micro market within Orlando. So if you use pricing software, it may not pick up spikes because in the greater Orlando market, it's, it's not a big event. But for those 120 units right next to the convention center, it's it's huge. uh, um, And that's why we have been outperforming a lot of other managers because they didn't really pay attention uh, to it. They knew that Christmas was high and spring break.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's valuable because um, Orlando is a market where you have to be in tune with not only the vacation rental and kind of the calendar, the, the typical calendar, like you said, the holidays when families are traveling, but it is a convention market. And as conventions come back and it starts to get back to some normalcy that, you know, Orlando would drive that business, you have to understand what the hotels are pricing and what the conventions are and what the, they have a you know huge tennis uh, a facility that's there mm-hmm. in the market. My husband likes to go down there and he's played in some tournaments there. And so there's so much going on in Orlando that if you're not really looking at the whole picture and get grabbing data, or again, knowing that you're there on you know, kind of boots on the ground situation, you, you're going to know better than the software. And I do think that the, that's where some of the platforms have missed out. So I really applaud Wheelhouse for for really giving some of that back to manager, because again, there is some gut that goes with it, but there's also just some practical knowledge that a computer system is not going to be able to scrape if they're not, you know, they can't see it all. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think managers like yourself that you guys are obviously pretty tech savvy um, and to make different uh, suggestions to them and for them to take those suggestions to heart and implement within the software. It's, it's nice to work with companies like that. I know, I mean, if you guys are doing your own things, you're going to see things differently than just the regular property manager that, you know, might not be, you know, quite as savvy. So it's, um, it's really cool seeing technology evolve in our industry and just especially in the last couple of years, just how much we've all kind of contributed to that. And, you know, a lot of this technology is built by, like you said, you've probably known Andrew for a long time, people that we all know. <laughs> and um, I think that's that's kind of helped all of us like, grow and, and evolve together.
2: Yeah. It's always amazing to see every year at the conference like may all the new technologies that pop up that you've never heard of or, or talked about. and that- Yeah a vendor and then you see them the next year and and they're bigger or or they disappear or they're or they're gone completely
0: yeah right (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. well and i know in the beginning like the 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 exhibit hall at VRMA was it was always the same pms systems and yeah yeah every year you already knew who was going to be there and now it's new fresh uh, small startups and, and and that's great that's what i love about these these conferences
1: yeah, absolutely. What what would you say? What's the biggest pain point in your business right now? Like, what's what's the thing that keeps you up at night?
2: <laughs> um, oh, I think staffing is a challenge uh, still uh, uh, for us. Uh, finding them, retaining them, especially for frontline uh, workers. Um, everybody in this market is, is dealing with it, from from a Disney to to hotel. Yeah. It has it has gotten easier, but it has been one of the hardest years, I think. Um, yeah, since we started, I think uh, um, 2021 was probably harder than 2020 when we were under lockdown with with COVID, because you had the surge in bookings and and guests uh, staying in our homes and people were still not working and they were getting $600 or more a week in unemployment, um, which is more or, or the same that uh, they would be earning like cleaning homes or inspecting uh, homes. So that has been a really, really tough uh, year for us. Um, also our, our review scores went down. Um, we have guests arriving at a property and housekeepers still had to get there and, and start. That's how bad it was. Uh, um, so I think that has been a big, big uh, challenge, um, but I, I think it's going in the right direction. It's uh, um, getting a lot easier if we post a job app now. Uh, a few months ago, we, would, we were not getting any response whatsoever. And now finally, we start to see some uh, resumes that are coming in. Yeah.
0: How about um, regulations? Orlando is a market that I haven't heard too much about. Regulations. I think the greater Orlando area is pretty in tune with the fact that tourism, regardless of where it's coming from, is incredibly important to the entire. Um, ecosystem of, of Orlando from, from one end to the other. Um, but you're, you said you're now man, uh, managing in other markets. Miami is a market that there's a lot of push for regulation. So h- how are you seeing um, the landscape within Florida and then the markets that you're working in? And I think you said you've got some in the Caribbean is yeah. as well. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on where or regulation goes and how property managers should be proactively um, engaging on that subject?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I think it's a big misconception that Orlando is the Wild West and that you can do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> because Orlando is actually very regulated, but it's I think it's done in the right way. So in um, everybody talks about Orlando, but it's it's actually four different counties that make up the area around Disney World and In Orlando, short-term rentals are not uh, permitted. So you can have a guest in your house uh, on Airbnb. But the owner has to be um, in the house during the stay, um, of the guests. so they cannot rent out entire homes unless you're um, in a community that's zoned for short-term rentals. And I think that's, that's really key, uh, what they've done here. They have built communities, purpose-built communities where you only have short-term rentals. So there's a lot less of a mix between residents and, and short-term rentals. Um, then you have, uh, Osceola County, um, which is what they call the, 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 vacation home capital of the world. They even trademarked, um, that, uh, uh yeah, that the baseline, um, and they saw, um, uh, yeah, already like, I think 10 or, or 20 years ago that they could not compete with Orange County in Orlando with all the hotels and resorts that they had so, um, Far back in in the past, they decided to focus on vacation rentals. Their their tax, uh, tourist development tax uh, collections from vacation homes are higher than what they get uh, from hotels. So for them, obviously, it's also a very important part of of the local economy. Um, It pays for a lot of their expenses. So um, it's all regulated. You need to apply for licenses. You need access um but it's streamlined and and they're open to it so they embrace it Uh, um so that's that's great so regarding miami yeah we know it's it's uh, um a very tough uh, market there regulation wise but it's almost the same there you have buildings um that are zoned for short-term rentals so as long as you stay there um there's there's no issues um, but obviously you cannot do it anywhere you want you have to focus on, on those buildings or, or zones uh, where it's allowed and each um, yeah in, in general it's not allowed so uh, but other areas in, in miami um there is no problem and then for Aruba um that that's probably like the the most dangerous situation because there are no rules yet um, mm. And, and that's when things can really change. Um, they can yeah, block you overnight, they can uh, uh, pause a law that, that puts you out of business. So there we really have been proactive. When we started there with, with a local partner, the first thing I told them is we need to start the coalition uh, here. There may not be a problem today, but one day we're going to have a problem. Um, because there are no rules. So um, we formed the um, Aruba Vacation Rental Professionals with support also. And we, we organized the summit. We did an economic impact study. We organized the summit. We invited all the, the politicians uh, uh, from, from there. And that has really worked great because now they um, actually send the proposal to us to come up or, or advise them on some softwares to collect their um tourist development uh, taxes. And that is really what we want, that they don't go on their own and, and they find a system that may not work for us. But
1: right, right. Yeah. yeah
2: so good. now they're asking us for advice. Hey, what would you do? Which systems would you use? Which systems are used in other um, counties in the U.S.? and and that's exactly what their goal was and and yeah getting ahead of the game and not have, having to be reactive when it's too late
1: that's excellent and so so good to hear and i think that's a conversation yeah. that's being had in a lot of communities right now at least starting on the vacation rental side that we're all Trying to get to that point of okay, let's instead of the cities, you know, investing in software that's not going to help with you know tracking these issues, let's all work together and figure out what we're actually trying to track. Because I think there's mm-hmm. there's so much misinformation about what the real problems are, and obviously you've you've seen our. Our, we are not Airbnb <laughs> movement. <laughs> and um, it's not about Airbnb, but it's about saying who we are as a industry. industry. And, and it's a rallying cry. And I think that we're going to start- see- the,
2: the funny thing in Aruba, for example, we are pushing for regulations and that may sound weird, but we know the issues that guests have are like noise, trash, and yeah, yeah, issues. So we want to have clear regulations and we propose those uh, to them so that they would go with our regulations and not come up with yeah, uh, ideas from, from owners or, or neighbors. Um, so if we can lock those in, the ones that we support, and we're probably going to have uh, uh, to give them something too. But if we can push for, for our proposal, um, then we're probably going to be better off than, than if we have to fight back on, on proposals from, uh, from neighbors.
0: Yeah. Did you guys use or did you engage with, you said VRMA helped you with that. Um, and I'm just curious because the the way you're talking about kind of getting everybody together, bringing all the stakeholders together, that's something that um, Rent Responsibly has really Concentrated on and in putting together, you know, making sure that again the the people that live in the community, the people that work in the community, the people that have the business in the community, that everybody is getting together at the table to have the conversation. So, did you engage with them, or is this something that you kind of you kind of instinctually knew what needed to be done, and then VRMA stepped in to help you with that?
2: Yeah, so we we did not uh, engage them. We worked with with Ma- Matt uh, Curtis, uh, who has been with with BRMA for for right. For so he has helped us and, and guided us uh, a little bit through the process um but there's also a lot of things that we already knew of course and 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 um it's also important who you know especially in a small community like Aruba um everybody is yeah. everybody <laughs> and yeah the network is almost more important than than you know, what you do because you need to get it to the right people um
0: yeah, that's that that's really important. And I think that some people forget. I know I look back at when I was in property management back in the early 2000s up to about 2012. And in the market that I'm in is in the panhandle of Florida, Panama City Beach. But there's Panama City Beach, there's Destin, 30A, there's the whole panhandle. And it's very, it was very siloed in the way people operated. There was not a lot of um, collaboration, a lot, not a lot of sharing information. And even within the Panama City Beach market, I remember just trying to get data to understand what was really out there. There was a lot of friction between the hotel sector and vacation rentals because they were starting to take over the, they were the the bulk of the inventory in the market. And so, you know, the, the convention and visitors bureaus, the DMOs started to have to pay attention, but they didn't know how to do it. And so I think that COVID, all the bad that came with it, the really great thing that came out of it is it made the industry so much more collaborative and so much more understanding that we are this large community that is spanning the globe really, and that we, the, we are going to be so much stronger and so much better if we all work together instead of working against each other. Um, so I think that, that, you know, when you're showing exactly that you're being collaborative in a market that like Orlando enormous market, but you've proven out that, you know, working those relationships and being right there and understanding the market is important to the success, not just for you as Cassiola, but, but for the industry as a whole.
2: Absolutely. I agree. And even here in Orlando, we also formed like a uh, small association for top five competitors, basically. We have monthly calls and we just share information Um, and that can go about, yeah, certain software or where do you get your benefits? What do you pay. But it's just to, to benchmark um uh, things. If you have a certain problem, do the others have the same problem or, or is it something that you have to look at? So having that call every, every month, um, yeah, give so much uh, value it doesn't cost anything. We also want to limit it to just uh, a handful of other property managers because if like 20 or 30, it, it's just too big. So it's just five of the top property managers in Orlando. And, and I love uh, those conversations uh, each month.
1: Yeah, and having having that group that you can bounce ideas off of is huge. And we talk about that quite a bit on our show, just the value of collaboration and uh competition <laughs> however you want to phrase it. But um, yeah. you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, we're really all more aligned and we need to be able to work together within our own destinations and It used to be the information sharing was just something that didn't happen, but I think people like yourself have really just kind of moved the needle on making others understand that it's it's okay to to share and work together on things.
2: Yeah, we all get better of it. So uh, yeah, absolutely, recommend.
1: Now I have one other question, Dennis. I know you've been. you've you've built a really great culture I think at Cassiola and that's that's what I've I've heard from the outside which that's a good thing <laughs> for, for y'all but tell us a little bit about the culture and you know how important that has been especially with workforce um, issues that we're all facing
2: um yeah it's it's something From my experience with my previous company, we had had an amazing uh, uh, culture. Um, So we even went to a company called Zappos. You may be familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. And the headquarters were in in, uh, Vegas. And I'm talking about many, many years ago, even before they were acquired by by Amazon. And they were really known uh, for their cultures and their happy hours and their office looked like a crazy place every desk was like decorated <laughs> in the most <laughs> <laughs> insane ways um so we went there we did like a, a culture boot camp i think is what they called it for for a few days and now oh, was we- so cool um, to our company in, in Belgium. And we started organizing like happy hours every week um, or every month to people within the company that got randomly picked. So it could be from maintenance together with someone from marketing, for example, they have to organize something for the whole team on, on a limited budget. So they have to be creative. They have to work together with someone that they usually don't work uh, with. And, and it's just fun to create those activities we introduced here too we call it the ccc the Casiola um crew celebration Um, so we do it every month um, or after busy season because like in march april we we cannot do that in the middle of of, uh, um, spring break but then we do it right after and those things are are really uh, fun i think everybody gets stressed especially if you have gone through a busy summer to, to release uh, together and recharge. Um, and yeah, actually, last time we did, we took the whole team to, to Disney World um so uh, um they could go to any park they wanted in the morning and then we met up uh at 2 p.m at epcot and we did the food and wine festival with the whole nice that's awesome Uh, drinking around the world yeah
0: Yeah. that's always good
2: (laughs) yeah fireworks and it was so much it was a little bit too much fun because the day (laughs) off and i'm not kidding you um so we did it's a ride, it's called Living with a Land. It's it's actually a very boring educational ride. And someone complained so they reached out to us through social media um that we were making too much noise and fun and that they couldn't hear. <laughs> Staying on, on the on the speakers and they took a video and and they looked up Casiola. so oh, no. oh my gosh you guys are <laughs> troublemakers
1: i apologize yeah.
2: for that guest but that means that we had a bunch of fun uh, yeah. Of-
1: yeah yeah exactly well, that's what that's what it's about at the end of the day and and it's great to hear that you do team building stuff like that because it really does it's It's you. In order to make things happen in the business, you have to have trust in each other, and I think that happens normally outside of the business that you just get to know and break bread and enjoy each other's company. So that's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool, Dennis. I think we're we're getting near time, and um, at the end of it, we like to normally ask a couple of questions. We did not send them to you, so this might be what you (laughs) consider as your gotcha moment. But um, what would you? um, You've been. You've been here, I don't know. How long have you been in the US now? Eight years. Okay. So, what would you tell Dennis of 10 years ago today? Like, if you had to go back and say, this is what you need to be prepared for when you move to the US, what would be those things?
2: don't go into property management <laughs> <laughs> that is so
0: funny. My, my husband and i we my husband and i started a property manager company here like right when the economy crashed in 2008 six six eight whenever that was i can't even remember it seems like it's so long ago but we with some friends and we joked about i handled he handled marketing and i handled like the owner relations and contracting and all that stuff and we always joked that we were going to buy t-shirts that said friends don't let friends buy condos but i think you could say friends don't let friends buy vacation rentals you know no, but I, to your point, I think it's one of those things you get into it and it's like, oh, gosh, what did I get myself into? But you wouldn't change it for the world because you clearly love what you're doing.
2: Absolutely. And that's the weird thing about what we do. It's it becomes like a passion or an addiction. Um, you hate, <laughs> you love it, um, right. especially at 2 a.m. at night when you get a call. Um, yeah. You love it. Yeah. At, at conferences like, conference like the VRMA or if you do those team buildings or you see people that have the vacation of a lifetime taking their kids or grandkids to, to uh, the theme park. So, um, yeah, it's it's an addiction. But um, And I had some business experience before, so it's not that I got into something new, but this is hard. So everyone that has a small management company, for just husband and wife, and I've been doing it for or 10 or more years I have so much respect uh, for them because this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I I run businesses all across Europe and and North Africa. We had production, we had e-commerce, we had people all around uh, Europe, but this is 10 times harder. Um, Operations, running operations is so hard. Um, Dealing with owners, it's it's not easy. So um, yeah, a lot of respect uh, um, for those smaller players that do everything and that are basically... On call 24-7.
1: Yeah, it's a lot harder business than what people are or some people are making it seem like it is. It's, it's not a passive in- income stream kind of business, but uh,
0: so, yeah.
1: it's a, very hands-on and a lot of work, but especially at scale with as many units as you guys have. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. We, we love watching the Cassiola team at conferences. I mean, you guys, you take, you clearly take, uh, you know, your team building and your, your culture and you bring it to the shows and the energy is, 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 it's electric. And I think people really gravitate to it. So just keep it up. And so yeah. if anybody, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? can reach me through LinkedIn, I think, is
2: easy. Or you can uh, contact Casio, and I'm sure they will uh, forward your uh, message to me.
1: Great. Awesome. We will include those links in the show notes. And if anybody wants to contact Annie and I, you can go to alexandannypodcast.com And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear from you. If you could leave us a review on whichever podcast app that you listen to, we'd greatly appreciate that. But until next time, Dennis, thank you so much. And we will see you everyone you. later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.